Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. That is amazing. And as you're greeting each other, and you may be here and thinking to yourself, uh, man, I don't know many people in this church. I just started coming. Well, we want to invite you. I want to make sure I say this now before the message, give you a chance to prepare for this, that we want to invite you after the service. We're going to be having a lunch called Step One. It's really just a meet and greet. We'll have lunch available down the hall here in one of the classrooms where we'd love to meet you as church leaders. If it's your first time here or you've been visiting for a bit and wanting to get more information about what this church is all about, we'd love to spend some time with you and do that. So I encourage you, if you want to get more connected here or find out more about our church, come to step one. There'll be a lunch there provided, ready for you, and it'll be a good time. We won't take too long, but it'll be a good, meaningful time, I pray, for us to spend some time uh, together uh, doing that after the service, okay? Well, today I'd like to get started um, by reminding us of the biblical truth that came to us last week from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, namely this, that when your heart is burdened, that when your heart is anxious, when your heart is weighed down by all that's happening in the world and all that's unfolding in your life, that the way to cope with that is not through denial or escapism or some subjective wish that all would just somehow change. The way we cope with all the perplexing injustices in the world and all the personal pain that's common to all of us is by taking it to the Lord in prayer. I love the song we sang earlier. I love the simple truth. I love the simple truths of the Bible because they're simple, but they're deeply profound and life-changing. And if you have a burden that you're carrying today, take it to the Lord in prayer. But I don't want to just remind you of what we've learned last week. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with what we have in front of us this week from Habakkuk, that there are times in our lives, and maybe you're in a season like this, there are times in our lives when it appears like God is inactive. You ever have moments like that in your life? There are times in your life where it appears as if God is inactive, like God is not working, like God is somehow tolerating all the injustice in the world, like God is somehow not paying attention to the monumental historical events that are unfolding all around us, or that somehow we feel at certain points in our lives that God is somehow unaware of just how hard life is for me right now. And he's not moving fast enough. You're not listening quite attentively enough to our prayers. Have you ever felt like that? As the preacher, I have felt like that. As a Christian since I was six years old, I have felt like that. I have even felt like that so recently. Like there's, there's no end in sight, Lord. Things are so hard. It just seems like you're not doing anything. I, I need you to do something. 
Well, for times like this, there's truth that we must know and call to mind on a daily basis. Truth that will bring us comfort and confidence. And I'm praying for you, loved ones, that today from the scriptures we have comfort and confidence. There's truth that we need to cling on to that will strengthen our weary hearts, hearts that are weary with the world or weary with their circumstances. That's where Habakkuk is taking us this morning. And so I want you to please take your Bibles and turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, you can slip up your hand and one of the ushers at the back would love to put a copy of God's Word into your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We'd love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. We're in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 to 11, continuing in our series entitled Habakkuk, Waiting on God When There's No End in Sight. If you're having trouble finding Habakkuk in your Bible, you can go right to the end of the Old Testament and then reverse from Malachi to Zechariah to Haggai to Zephaniah, and there you'll find Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 to 11 is where we're going to be today, and everything that we need, we believe today, is found right in the Word of God. Let's look at it together. Habakkuk chapter 1, starting from verse 5. It says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up the earth and take it. Then they sweep like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. All right, maybe you're looking at that and you're like, what? what? <laughs> What's all that about? And I want to... Bring some clarity from the Word of God for you because sometimes we look at portions of Scripture and obscure books like Habakkuk and we read it and we say, what? Well, I want you to know there's so much truth in God's Word for us today. And so this is where we're going to start. Where God, and When God seems inactive in our lives, here's the exhortation from God's Word. Remember and be amazed. Here's point number one. Remember and be amazed. God is always working even when we can't see it. God is always working, even when we can't see it. I want you to look at verse 5 and see what it says. It says, look among the nations and see, notice, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. All right, first I want you to see 
the nature of verses 5 to 11, the verses that we just read. What are verses 5 to 11? I want you to understand that verses 5 to 11 are God's answers to Habakkuk's prayer in verses 1 to 4. When God seems inactive, when it seems like he's not paying attention, rest assured, God hears and answers prayer. That's the nature of verses 5 to 11. It's God's answer to Habakkuk. I want you to notice also that God's answers to Habakkuk's prayers come in a way that remind and reassure him of an often forgotten truth. Here it is. That while it may appear to you that God is not paying attention, while it may appear to you that evil is winning and good is losing, while it may appear to you that God is inactive and uninvolved, the reality is that he has been working all along. Now, let me just tell you that this preacher needed this message for his heart this week. And I know that there are people in this room that need this message today, that no matter what you think God thinks, he is always Working. Now, before we move on from this too quickly, I want us to consider two things. I want us to consider the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. That God is in control and works all things according to his own purpose all the time. God is not some weak, helpless, defenseless old man in heaven with a long white beard and he's old and he's tired and he doesn't know what to do. That's not the Bible's depiction of God. The doctrine of the sovereignty of God teaches us that no matter what's happening in the world and what's happening in your life, God is in control and he's moving the events of history towards one end and it is his purpose. You got to believe that. Secondly, I want us to consider this, the doctrine of the providence of God. That not only is God in control and working all things according to his purpose, but providence teaches us that nothing happens by chance. That nothing in your life is happening to you by chance. That nothing going on in the world is happening by chance, but that all things are being governed and ordered by God's loving hand. Sovereignty and providence. Now you say, but there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. That's why you need to believe in the doctrines of the sovereignty of God and the providence of God. You say, but there's bad things happening to me. How can God's loving hand be guiding me in this situation? Well, this is why you need to be comforted by these doctrines, because when you really believe that he is in control and working all things together for my good, when you believe that nothing is happening in your life that's haphazard, but he's guiding everything in your life for a good and and according to his loving hand, when you believe that, you can take refuge in God and find comfort. Sovereignty and providence. And I want to make sure we move from abstract theoretical theology here towards living truth that means something for us today. That God is always working. God is always active. God is always involved even when I don't 
see it. This is truth that we must learn to cling firmly to. It's truth that we'll find once we get to the end of Habakkuk, that Habakkuk has learned to cling firmly to, to trust in. Because when the storms of life come, are you in a storm right now? When the storms of life come, when the rain doesn't stop, are you in a storm and it's been going for a long time? When the rain doesn't stop, when, when the wrongs aren't made right, something happened to you, an injustice of some kind, or you're looking at the world, you say, how can that continue to go on? How can that continue to happen? And it's just day after day and week after week and year after year. Are you, are you thinking about life that way? In those circumstances, your lifeline and mine is this, that I believe in sovereignty and I believe in providence and I trust in the Lord because I know that God is always working even when I can't see it. Now, if you've been in the Christian faith long enough, you'll have had some experiences that have tried and tested this. And maybe... God is showing you that this is tried and tested truths right now. He's building your faith. He's strengthening you in this. But maybe you're a new Christian, or maybe you haven't had as many experiences, and you're thinking, how can I know that this is really happening? I, I find no better way to illustrate this truth, that God is always working even when I don't see it, than by going to one of my favorite Narratives in Scripture, in Genesis 37 to 50, we have the narrative of the life of Joseph. I'm just going to rehearse this for you to illustrate this truth. And then we're going to tie it back to Habakkuk. You remember Joseph, Jacob's son. He was favored by his father, but hated by his brothers. In Genesis 37 to 50 details a series of unfolding events in Joseph's life that are absolutely under the providential purview of God, but completely unknown to him. Now, I want you to see the scriptures, and I want the scriptures to come to life for you. I want to tell you what happened to Joseph as a way to illustrate this truth, and then we're going to tie it back in to Habakkuk. You'll remember Joseph was hated by his brothers, and he was thrown into a pit. And he was thrown into the pit so that he could be sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites. And he's sold as a slave to the Ishmaelites so that he can go into the land of Egypt. And he goes into the land of Egypt so that he can work in Potiphar's house as a servant. And he works in Potiphar's house as a servant, only to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and imprisoned. And he's in prison so that he can interpret the dreams of two other prisoners. And he interprets the dreams of two other prisoners so that he can interpret the dream ultimately of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he interprets the dream of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, which leads to his role in designing the strategy to preserve the nation during a great famine. And his role in the strategy designed to preserve the nation during great famine leads to Joseph being exalted as second in command in all of Egypt. And he's exalted as second in command over all of Egypt so that when his brothers come looking for food, Judah, his brother, the chosen seed that will produce the Messiah, won't starve to death. And because Judah doesn't starve to death, 
in the time of the famine, the lineage leading to Jesus Christ is preserved. Talk about God working even when we don't see it. This massive theme of redemption unfolding through the ordinary circumstances of this guy, Joseph. And I can assure you that when he's being thrown into, into the pit, he's not sitting there thinking, this is awesome. And then when he's dragged out, drug out of the pit and sold to the Ishmaelites into slavery, he's not thinking, oh, so this is getting better. No, he's not thinking that. Things turn and, and he gets a job in Potiphar's house and he finds favor. He's probably thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, I can get this theology. God is always working even when I can't see it. But then Potiphar's wife comes and accuses him of raping her. And he's probably thinking, whoa, whoa, that's not the turn I was expecting. And then he's thrown into prison. And he's probably not thinking, yeah, yeah, I can, I can bank on this. God is always working even when I can't see it. He's probably perplexed thinking, what is happening? And from there, the events after the events after the events that lead to this awesome preservation of the lineage of Judah that leads ultimately in redemptive history to the coming of Jesus Christ. Loved ones, the Bible shows us this, that when you think that God is inactive and uninvolved and not aware of what you're going through, he is very much aware. God is always working even when we can't see it. And here in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, we saw that Habakkuk was perplexed at God's perceived inactivity. That the people of Judah were a mess, and the law was paralyzed, and idolatry was rampant, and Habakkuk didn't understand why. Here in verse 5, God responds in no uncertain terms. He says in verse 5, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told, loved ones. God is never inactive in your life. And he's never without a purpose in the world. In fact, as Alistair Begg put it, the momentous historical events which are unfolding in our lifetime are under God's sovereign control. And God is working in our world. And God is working in your life, even if all signs point to his inactivity. Here's a question for you. Do you believe that today? Or is there something happening in your life that's making it hard to believe? This is truth to strengthen us. The doctrine of God's sovereignty and providence. That's what God says in verse 5 to Habakkuk. I'm doing something you would have never believed. Let's move on. God is always working even when we can't see it. Secondly, this. When God seems inactive, remember and be amazed. Second point is this. God is never confined. He works in unbelievable ways. He works in unbelievable ways. Look at verse 6. For behold, God says, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Some of your Bibles may say the Babylonians. It's the same people. God says in response to Habakkuk's complaints and laments, he says, behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Now, When God says in verse 5, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told, he wasn't exaggerating at all. What God was about to do was truly unbelievable. 
Habakkuk could not have anticipated what God was about to do. In other words, God would answer Habakkuk's prayer in a way that Habakkuk could have never dreamed or imagined or desired or planned. Here's a side note. Sometimes when we pray, often when we pray, we have to be ready and prepared that God will answer according to his divine wisdom and not necessarily according to what we think is best. He has a purpose. And so God saw what Habakkuk saw long before Habakkuk saw it. God saw the unfaithfulness of Judah. God saw that the law was paralyzed. God saw the injustice and the violence. God saw it all. And contrary to what Habakkuk thought, God wasn't tolerating it. God wasn't inactive in the midst of it. God was working. But this is what I want you to see. God is not only always working, but God is never confined. He's not confined to work according to our tiny, minuscule ideas of what we think are best. And he's not confined by any individual or nation or kingdom or authority. Let me show you where I get this from the text. I want you to notice what God is going to do in verses 6 to 11. Look at it. God says, for behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose might is their God. What's happening here? If you looked at this passage of scripture and thought, what exactly is going on here? Well, what's happening here is amazing. God is detailing his answer to Habakkuk's prayer that the way God is going to bring about justice in Judah is by raising up a nation of unparalleled wickedness. God is going to use a people of unbelievable depravity in order to discipline his own people who are far less wicked than they are. And needless to say, Habakkuk and the people are shocked and gripped by terror. Very often, loved ones, when God is working, sometimes it needs to get worse before it gets better. So let me just stop right here for a moment to draw out an important insight from the text. I want you to listen closely. And no matter what's happening in the world around us, what we learn from these verses, what we learn from Habakkuk, is that God has total authority over every nation, kingdom, and political uh, superpower. Okay? If you are fretting about Justin Trudeau and the liberal government, if you're fretting about uh, Vladimir Putin and his invasion of the Ukraine, if you're fretting about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, if you're fretting about all of these things, then be like Habakkuk and take it to the Lord in prayer. But learn from Habakkuk. God's people will always be safe because our God is the one who is truly calling the shots. And what we see throughout history and what we see in this text of Scripture is that God in his divine wisdom raises up these wicked people, the Chaldeans, to discipline his own people. 
Because God has sovereign control over every nation and political superpower. And he is never sitting back wondering what he should do. Now, William Bailey on the screen wrote this. He said, God raising up the Chaldeans showed that he is sovereign over the whole earth. He is not confined to one nation or one people. God can work through other people to accomplish his purpose. God used the Assyrians as the rod of his anger to punish Judah at an earlier time. He chose Cyrus to deliver the people of Judah from the exile imposed by the Babylonians. In Habakkuk's day, God would use Babylon to punish Judah for its rebellion against the Lord. God is always working even when we can't see it. And God is never confined. He works in unbelievable ways. And so when you look around, when you see things happening in the world, and you fret and you worry and you get anxious and you get insecure and you stop praying and you start doubting, God's people rest in this promise and this truth. He's sovereign, and he works all things according to his providential care. And every nation and every political superpower and every kingdom and every leader who ever lived remains subservient to his purpose. That's a good reason to pray. That's a good reason for us to take refuge in God. That's a good reason for our church to have the, the prayer meeting packed. That's a good reason for us to stop complaining and whining. Remember, we learned so many of us, we complain to each other rather than complain to God. That's what we saw Habakkuk doing last week. He complained, he lamented to God. How about we stop complaining to each other and we start lamenting to God? How about we stop shaking our fist and wondering how we're going to fix things and start looking to the one who has power to fix things? Why don't we do that? Why don't we come to the Lord? In prayer, it's a good reason to take everything to God in prayer. In verses 7 to 11, it describes in detail just how treacherous the Babylonians are. Dreaded and fearsome, verse 7 says. Swift like horses, fierce wolves, verse 8. They fly like eagles, their captives are like sand. They scoff, they laugh, they mock, their might is their own God. These people are ruthless. And these are the people that God is raising up to discipline his own people. Why? Because he is sovereign and he has an ultimate purpose. And Habakkuk is absolutely perplexed. Will God use this wicked people to discipline a people far less wicked? How can this be justice? On the screen for you, the ESV Study Bible has a very helpful note here. It says, the perversion of justice in the triumph of the wicked prefigures the temporary triumph of the wicked in the crucifixion of Christ. The unbelievability of God's use of a wicked people, the Chaldeans, prefigures the unbelievability of the way in which the injustice of the crucifixion of Christ is used 
by God for salvation. When you're wondering how God could use a wicked people to discipline another people or how God could be in sovereign control of all the things that are happening in the world, I want you to look at this beautiful thread that we see throughout the whole Bible, this thread that leads to Jesus Christ. If you look at the crucifixion and you see how God brings about redemptive, uh, his redemptive plan for the world, he, he does so in exactly this way, that God works even through injustice to bring about his ultimate and good purpose. And in this wicked and broken world, injustice seems to be winning so many days. God too often seems inactive. Today, I want you to remember and be amazed that God is always working, even when we can't see it. And God is never confined. He works in unbelievable ways. And that this is seen ultimately and most powerfully in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. And in a few moments, we're going to go to the Lord's table. I want you to consider your own heart for a moment as we get ready to go to the Lord's table. I want you to consider how God may be working in your life. I want you to consider that God is never confined and that you may be seeing him do something that doesn't seem like it's the way you would do it. And I want you to find refuge in this fact. That he's always working even when we can't see it and it's seen ultimately in the cross. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.